0: All right. Tonight we're going to be talking about idols. Idols. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20. Second book in the Bible. Starting at verse 1, then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. These are the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. He's saying, in other words, I am God, nothing else is. I am to be first in your life. Worship nothing else. He makes it pretty clear, doesn't he? Now turn back 12 chapters to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32, starting in verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, come. Make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. It just blows my mind. These people have just, not too long ago, seen God part the Red Sea and they walk through on on dry land. And now Moses has gone just a little bit too long. And they're like, Moses has been gone to the mountain too long, so let's make a golden idol in the image of a calf. Really? A cow? And then they said, this is our God? A cow? At least idols aren't a big thing today, right? How many of you have an idol in your home? An idol in your home? Yeah, a statue of like... Man, you need to get that baby out of your house, guys. Demons and those things. Anyway, idols... Not a big deal anymore, right? How many of you have an idol in your heart? Come on now. Unfortunately, probably most of us do. Go ahead and show that video, Vin.
1: TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. Well, you would think they were crazy if you didn't understand their culture and their religion. See, that's just the thing, they were worshipers of idols. And they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies, they wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted, they danced, they they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. You don't really relate, do you? Let's try it again. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols. And they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted, they danced, they they made sacrifices to their idols. They built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. Idol worship. It's not just about golden calves anymore.
0: You see, idols Aren't just little carved images. An idol is anything that occupies a place that should only be occupied by God. An idol is something that holds such a controlling position in my life that it moves and arouses and attracts me so easily that I'm willing to give my time, attention, and money to it effortlessly. If you turn back to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, 5, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. All these things are matters of the heart, and the Bible calls them idolatry. So tonight we're going to work at flushing out any idols that might exist in our heart. And, And we'll start with the idol that the video addressed the idol of sports. Our culture is obsessed with sports. From school sports to professional sports, we are fanatics. It amazes me the loyalty that people have to a particular, a particular college. And it's not the, 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 uh, because of the college's academic program. It's because of the college sports team that makes them fans of the school. Here's an interesting little fact. <clears throat> the comp- the combined sports budget for 12 colleges in the south is 800 million dollars per year 12 schools spending almost a billion dollars every year on their sports programs that's insane I'll never understand the draw of getting wrapped up in college sports, but come March, everyone is doing brackets and keeping up with the scores and statistics of a bunch of kids that they don't know playing a game for a college they never went to. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against sports. I believe sports and recreation are a gift from God. But like any good thing, we can become consumed by it and we let it control our lives. I actually overheard a conversation last week of two guys talking about this this guy whose boy was very good at sports, but the other guys on his his son's team weren't that good. So this guy is going to move his family to a different town so that his kids can play on a better team. That's idolatry. That's being consumed by sports. What's he teaching his kids? Sports are what matters most. Now, I want to do something a little unusual here and turn from speaking to you guys and talk to any parents that might be listening on the podcast. Because you parents are really the ones that you uh, need to be helping your kids to be disciplined in this area. Because, let's face it, most kids are going to be involved in as many fun activities as their talents allow them to be involved in. Unfortunately, many times, it's the parents that are pushing their kids and teaching them to idolize sports. We're pushing our kids into sports at younger and younger ages. We have our little boys and girls starting to play t-ball at four and five years of age. Most of them don't even know how to catch a ball, for crying out loud. Now, now here's a novel idea. How about playing catch with them at home till they learn how to play, till they learn how to catch a ball? How about the family playing together with the kids at this age when uh, they're kids that are at this tender age? But our culture tells us that it's important to socialize our kids around sports, sports, sports. Are sports an idol in your family? It becomes an idol when we take sports a good thing and turn it into a God that consumes us and subtly and unknowingly begins to control us. Think of the time you spend in any season chasing your kids around, from sport to sport, organizing your family schedule around your kids' practices and games, not having any time to to eat together because you're always on the run. Now compare that time to the time you spend discipling your kids and building godly principles into their life. Compare that time with the time you spend together as a family just hanging out and having fun together, building relationships within the family. Are we teaching our kids that God is the center of our affections and joy and satisfactions? Or by our actions, are we teaching them something else? We forget that as parents, God has given us the weighty responsibility to shepherd our child well, to learn what's going on in their heart, and to teach them to love their God with all their heart. Now, coming from a dad who's on the backside of raising kids, our time with them is fleeting. It goes like that. And it's my fear that the God of sports in this culture is stealing from us, time that belongs to the family. Okay, back to you guys are sports an idol in your life? Are you willing to give 10 to 15 hours a week for practices and games but can't find time to read your Bible? When there's a conflict between sporting events and church activities, which one wins? If you had morning practice one morning at 6 a.m. and the next morning you had a discipleship group at 7.30, which are you going to be tempted to sleep in for? by your actions, are sports an idol in your life. The Bible tells us to flee any hint of idolatry, anything that controls me more than my love for God. Okay, the second idol I want to deal with is the idol, the idol of romantic relationships. <laughs> yeah. Now, here again, husband-wife relationships are a good gift from God. In fact, marriage is the picture of a relationship between Jesus Christ and His church. That's what the Bible tells us. The picture of Christ is the man's sacrificial, unconditional love for his wife that's supposed to be happening. And the picture of the church is the wife's honor and devotion to her husband that's loving her and cherishing her. But our hearts and our culture takes God's good gift and perverts it. Okay, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I know, that's shocking coming from me, but, but here we go. <laughs> I believe that almost any dating relationship in junior high or high school is nothing but idolatry. I'll, I'll say that again. Nothing, almost any dating relationship in junior high or high school is nothing but idolatry. Now, before you drag me out and stone me, let me argue my point here, okay? <clears throat> Theoretically... Dating is the process of finding the right person to spend the rest of your life with, right? Right. That, that, that's, the, that's the big excuse for doing it, right? If that's the case, then what are you doing dating in junior high and high school because even if you found the right person, you're not old enough to marry him yet? You're just increasing the chances of being tempted sexually, Plus, at your age, you guys don't have the wisdom and discernment required to make good choices about the character of the other person. The last part, part of your brain to be developed is the, the part of your brain that makes good decisions. Doesn't happen until in your early 20s, guys. Um, now, did I find my wife in high school? Yes. Did I, da- did I date my wife in high school? Yes. Was it idolatry? Probably. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain. At your age, you've got a couple things going on here. You're beginning to deal with this God-given longing to love and be loved. And your brain is being flooded by these new hormones that are uh, making some other people seem very attractive. You know what I'm talking about. Your nature and your culture tell you to jump right in and explore this new adventure. But if you're honest with yourself, this isn't about finding a marriage partner where you would wait until you could do something about it. This is about what the other person can do for me. If I find a person to love me, it'll make me feel good about myself. It's about the warm fuzzies that the other person gives me with these wonderful hormones flowing through my body, okay? And when you've been with that person long enough, and the warm fuzzies don't happen quite as much as they used to, the process is usually you dump or get dumped and find another person that gives you the warm fuzzies. It's idolatry, people. That other person consumes you. It consumes your time. Nothing is more important. That's all you think about when you're in these kind of relationships. What you're doing is you're looking to get your need for acceptance and love met in someone other than God. Now, who wants to guess what's the percentage of high school sweethearts that get married and stay married? I haven't heard any right answers, but I'll, I'll ask I'll ask somebody who actually has their hand raised. Is that Maddie back there? Yeah. Okay. 24. 24%. Okay. I got 14. 14. I'll take one more over here, Anna. 2. That's exactly right. It's 2%. of high school sweethearts get married and stay married. Okay? So, other than going for a real long shot here, guys, what's the reason to date at your age? It's all about finding love, acceptance, and self-worth in someone other than God. That pretty much puts it in the category of an idol. And the Bible tells us to flee even the hint of idolatry. All right, so how do you avoid this idol in your life? Submission to the lordship of Christ and accountability. Determine to use these formative years, guys, to pursue God with all your heart and become the godly young man or young woman that your future spouse needs you to be someday. Your future spouse doesn't need you to be messing around with someone that is not the person that you're spending the rest of the life with, okay? You don't need five girls in your past. You don't need five guys in your past that your wife has to worry about or your husband has to worry about. So, then you need to make yourself accountable to your parents or some godly friends. Dads, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn, turn from you guys a little bit here again, guys, and speak to dads. Dads, it's your biblical responsibility to protect your daughter in this area. And I see most dads doing a terrible job of it. The ones that really think they're strict say their daughters can't date until they're 16. Well, let's think that through that logic, guys. Let's say you have a vintage Corvette sitting in your driveway. <laughs> Yes, it's yours. And a 16-year-old kid whom you've never met knocks on your door and asks if he can take your car out for a spin. He's not interested in buying the car. He just wants to have some fun with it. What are you going to say to him? No among some other things, yes. Okay, the same kid knocks on your door. He says he's going to take your 16-year-old daughter out. He's not interested in pursuing her hand in marriage. He just wants to have some fun with her. Most dads don't have a problem with that. Unfortunately. Now, what's more important to you dads? A car or your daughter? Don't be sucked into what the world has sold us. If a young man isn't old enough to support your daughter, to take care of your daughter to take your place. Then he's not old enough to be dating your daughter. So dad, step up your game and you be the man in your daughter's life right now. She doesn't, so she doesn't need to feel that need to get love and affection from some 16-year-old kid. And then teach your boys to be respecters of girls. Okay, back to you guys. The heat gets back on you guys. If you decide to flee from this idol of casual dating, you going to school is going to be like sending an alcoholic to work in a bar. There's going to be temptation everywhere. You're going to need some help, preferably your parents. Because in a moment of clarity, what I'm saying to you right now might make sense. But when that cute girl is smiling at you, all reason will go out the window. It's just the way things happen, guys. You can have the, the, uh, the willpower of a lion, but uh, <laughs> when faced with that cute person, all willpower goes away. So you're going to need somebody in your life that you've worked together with and made some decisions with who will keep you accountable and say, uh-uh, we talked about this. You're going to wait for that godly person. All right, here's another idol you need to be aware of. The idol of the need for the approval of others. At your age especially, it's easy to be consumed with fear that others won't accept you. you may deal with that ever? Probably all of you. This fear controls your behavior. So do you act one way around one group of people and another way around another group of people? Do you dress a certain way because of what others might think of you or to impress other people? Do you spend too much time in front of the mirror so you can put your best face on for others? Are you running with the wrong group of friends because they accept you? Do you give in to temptations to fit in with the crowd? Do you send thousands of text messages per month because of the need for meaningful conversation, guys? Or is it just your need to be heard and feel relevant? Or are you just brokenhearted because it seems like you have no close friends? Again, friends and friendship are a good gift from God. But can we desire earthly friends more than we desire... Friendship with God? So when does it become an idol? How do we know if the approval of others is just a struggle to keep in check or an idol in our life? I'm going to have you ask some probing questions of yourself here. Is my behavior controlled by what God expects of me or what what I think other people expect of me? Is my behavior controlled by what God expects of me or what other people, I think other people expect of me? Is the way I act, dress, and talk more reflective of godliness or the culture? Do I desire earthly friends more than friendship with God? Am I consumed with the approval of people more than the approval of God? These are tough questions if we're really honest with ourselves. But here's the unfortunate truth our sinful nature is always looking to replace the creator with the created. John Calvin said, The human heart is an idol factory. Every one of us from our mother's womb is an expert in inventing idols. Isn't that true? We take created things, good things that God gave us, and we give them more honor and time and attention than we give God. Each one of those areas that we've talked about. Sports, relationships with, uh, romantic relationships, what we think other people think about us and, and how we react and change our lives over it. Here's the principle of idolatry, guys. Whatever controls us is our Lord, and we do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Something or someone is Lord of your life. So, what's Lord of your life? Is it sports? Is it a boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it at the approval of others? Is it food? Is it comfort? Is it success? Is it video games? What controls you? What or who is the Lord of your life? Because anything other than God makes it an idol. Now this message is a reminder to us that God is the only one who deserves that position of Lord in our lives. He's the creator, we are the created. He's an awesome God, worthy of honor, devotion, and worship. And I think most of us in this room would agree with that. But we need to be evaluating our lives because the way we spend our time, the things we're most passionate about betray what is really Lord in our lives. Some of the idols in our lives are good things that we just need to cut back on, get into perspective, and put them in their proper place. And there are some idols that have such a controlling grip on us, such an influence on us, that we need to get rid of them completely because they're addictive to us. We can't control them. They control us. And I think if you have any of those things in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to do them. You're consumed with them. It's what has all your attention, all your focus. So here's the cure for idolatry, guys. Make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Choose to do so every day. Filter your view of everything through his right to reign in your life. If he is Lord and you're his servant, then everything else is secondary. You keep things in the proper perspective. Father, we uh, admit to you tonight that we are easily distracted from our devotion from you. That the good things that you give us, we turn around and make idols out of them, and they consume us instead of you consuming us. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We ask you to strengthen us with power through your Spirit that you might. Give us the wisdom that we need to understand what is an idol in our life, the willpower to put it away, and the desire in our heart to truly follow you as king. Draw us all near to you, Lord. and make us your servants, in Jesus' name. Amen.